0: welcome back to the sevens club our first episode with a guest today as jimmy conrad joins us you all will hear that interview here in a second but we talk the u.s men's national team of course we talk a little mls tst a little different when you add a third member to the group here jeff what'd you think of the interview with jimmy and what what's a little bit more about sevens club that people can expect to see in the next few episodes expect to see in here
1: well it was great because usually i'm the one that talks a lot um so i got to take the episode off a little bit and jimmy kind of took over so it was great but he was super energetic awesome that's that's jimmy um kudos to him and uh it was it was a great great episode and it was fun just reminiscing and from his perspectives and um, where he sees the game and how he fell in love with it and his journey. So, um, super excited. We're gonna have some more guests coming up that are, are, are pretty interesting. And uh, just make sure you guys subscribe, stay tuned. Um, some fun things up ahead.
0: It's an elite group we've got here joining us in the Seventh Club over the next few weeks. As Jeff said, you don't want to miss it. But let's let's get to our interview with Jimmy Conrad. All right, joining us now in the Sevens Club, GM, owner, player, coach, the <laughs> Jackie Moon
2: of Conrad <laughs> Beasley United. Oh, baby. Jimmy Conrad, welcome to the Sevens Club. I'm excited to be here. I I had to get past the bouncer. I had to have a special password to get in, but it's uh, very excited to be a part. Of this. <laughs> How are you guys?
0: We are doing fantastic because we get to talk to you and hear all your stories. Mm. Honestly, I think a great place to start, and we'll see where the conversation goes. you got about a million things on the wall (laughs) behind you. Can you just pick out one and tell us, you know, a story or something
2: about one of those? Yeah, sure. I'll grab it for you. It's uh, it's my senior year high school soccer photo. Uh, I'm going to put it up here, and I have a straight bowl cut. That everybody uh, had a
0: full cut.
2: Unbelievable. This, we had a jersey. I don't even know if you can see it to fully appreciate it that had like splattered paint on it and some, it was the, it's the, it's terrible. But, but I will say at this point, when you look at this photo up close, it looks like I have everything figured out. And I, and I clearly did not have everything figured out. But, uh, yeah, you just don't know at that point, you know, what, what you're going to embark on and how much this sport in particular is going to mean to you and, and how pivotal it is to your professional and personal life. So, Fair play to this kid for sticking it out even when the times were tough.
1: Love it, man. So like obviously you just saying that, let's just dive into it, man. How did uh how did you start your career off? Like what was your dream as a kid? Like where <laughs> wh- what was that moment for you to say, "Hey, you know what? I want to be a professional soccer player." Therapy session. How much time do we have on
2: this podcast? <laughs> so, so uh my my grandfather was Danish and uh my dad was born in Denmark, moved over to the States when he's about six weeks old, so I don't think he can claim any any Danish real heritage there. But um, I think what you find out, and I'm sure you guys have similar stories, that when you're around people where they're so passionate about something in particular, in this instance, for my grandfather, he loved soccer. It's all he would talk about, and his energy was different when he was talking about it. Now, I know he loved my grandma, and I know he loved his kids, you know, but but those just felt a little different, almost obligatory when it came to soccer. Man, I mean, he just, he came alive in a way that he didn't come alive with anything else when he was talking about it. And even when you're young, you're, you're drawn to that. You don't understand it. You can't verbalize it, but I right. knew it meant something to him. And so when he started kicking the ball with me in the backyard, you just start to pick up on these little things. And then you start to get around other people that, that feel the same way about the game. And then you can see the impact of it. And and when you play, there's just something about it. Now, listen, I, there's so many ways I could go. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and, and what's interesting is, and I'll give you a brief story about him. When I was seven, I scored, I averaged three goals a game. We went 12-0-0. That's like my peak. Actually, I think I peaked when I was seven because I never scored that many ever. And then the following year, I got moved up, right, where I'm playing against older kids, and I just didn't have the same impact. And he told my dad after that year where I struggled that I, I, I had lost it, that I wasn't ever going to be a good player. <laughs> and and uh, so that's kind of what I grew up with until he unfortunately passed away, didn't get to see really any of my career. But I he planted a seed of passion and enthusiasm for the sport. So when I got presented... And I'm sure both of you ran into it at some point. Like, if you want to be good at something, you have to have that singular focus. At 11 years old, I got presented with, hey, you got to choose either baseball or you got to choose soccer. And soccer was the easy choice for me because it was fluid, right? There's always constant problem solving that has to happen. Playing in
1: the dirt, playing playing baseball or in the the outfield, like, just you have that energy that you have to stay just –
2: Yeah, it's different. Right. And also baseball, American football, they're very mechanical sports. Right. I mean, you've plotted kind of you've gone through the repetitions and not that that doesn't happen in soccer. Right. As you get older, you start to understand that having passing patterns and having some. Yes. A sense of how you want to move in every situation is important. So everybody's on the same page and, and, you know, split decisions. But but at that time, it, it just felt like. I was being joysticked in those other sports, whereas in soccer, it felt like I had a little bit more freedom to be myself and express myself. Now it's easy for me to say that now, right? Looking back at that time, I couldn't verbalize it in the same way, but I was drawn to it for a lot of different reasons. And I was thankful I had a lot of good coaches along the way that kept that, that fire alive and and in some ways made the fire even bigger. So was there
0: any point in your career Maybe early on, because you had a long career, but was there any point in your career where you're like, I think I'm done? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> this, this 20-year-old is is blowing by me. I'm sure Jeff will have you know, similar. <laughs> but is there anything that sticks out to you at a point where you were like, I'm ready to, you know, give up? I did it. Let's
2: be done. That's a great question. I would say, and this is getting pretty heavy. I don't know how far we want to go down the rabbit hole here. So so I was I was a walk-on in college and and I ended up winning a national championship my senior year at UCLA. And I thought, oh, I'm going to get drafted in MLS for sure. I'm, I'm on the best college team in the country. And the Who's other four, coach Ziggy Schmidt. Okay. Yeah. So the Great other four, coach. the other yeah. four co- uh, seniors got drafted and I didn't. And so there was that moment like, okay, what do I want to do here? And, and I just say, well, I'll just go for it. I'll see how far I can go. And then, and then we'll figure out if, if, if I suck or if I can't, continue to progress and and then i'll just i'll just finish it and that's kind of how i approached just kept trying to push 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 and as you mentioned i had a long career and got to play in a world cup and it's like completely mind-blowing but so i was a walk-on that was undrafted so i was the little engine that could in a, log, a lot of different ways when i ended up making the world cup team in 06 and i got to play in the in the tournament and i got to hold my own against some of the best players in the world in the highest of pressure uh situations I had proven to myself and to, and a, kind of a big middle finger to everybody else who didn't think I was good enough that I had done it. and And what changed for me post-world Cup was that before I was always trying to get after somebody else. I was always trying to gain and 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 uh, chase somebody else. And then when you when you get to that, and I know Jeff can speak to this probably uh, with a ton of experience, when you get to that level, all of a sudden everybody's chasing you. and that was a mentality flip that I just wasn't ready for because i'd been and, and in some ways i lost my edge because i didn't know where to go from there and there were moments looking back where i thought i should have just did the michael jordan game 6 you know you win you win it and then you just retire at the top of your game and i obviously had some Mike mic drop mic drop yeah. i should have done it in, in some ways but i didn't know what was next right and that's the hardest part when you retire is like there's there's no safety net <laughs> and where where and and when you realize you have to start from the bottom again is kind of where it's okay. And you start to find that piece again, but, but it takes but a it's while. That,
1: but that you still have that mentality that you have in you, right. The, that drove you to be as successful as you were throughout your career. And that that's kind of like similar story to, to myself where I remember going, you know, it was like fifth and sixth grade. I had a teacher that said oh, soccer is like basically a shit sport. And he was <laughs> like, he's like, soccer is, it's not even big in the States. Like, and I was trying to – I was missing school for a soccer tournament. Yeah. And you had to get, like, you have to tell the teacher you get a release form or whatever, and, like, you'll never make it. I remember mm-hmm. Mr. Dean and Mr. Blackwell. I went in right after I was drafted, like, to Houston Dynamo, and it was just like, boom, I got offered to go in preseason, and it wasn't, like, a guaranteed contract. Right. But I was like, you know what? Fuck you. you know? <laughs> but, I, but I appreciate you. Like, thank you, because – And maybe not everybody's like you and I where we would take that and we would like just digest it and then hold it here. Mm -hmm. And just like it makes you like fuel your fire even more and like makes you push to get to that dream. Right. And I walked in and they had the last class and like, I don't know, it was like a Wednesday or Thursday. I don't even know what day it was. But I walked in. I said, hey, thank you. And they were like, I said, thank you for telling me that I would never do it. (laughs) <laughs> guess what I just signed like my first professional contract and I was like what did they man. say I want the, I want I want reactions it was just like oh I, ne- I never I never said that I was like no I remember it clear as day and I was like but it was that was it I was I was at peace and it was <laughs> more of like I was always the shortest one The other people were like better they or they were praised throughout you know the youth youth leagues and growing up and it's like I had that fire of just, I wanted to prove everybody else wrong and Mm -hmm, I wanted mm -hmm. to prove myself and I wanted to challenge myself at the end of the day, I could have stayed in the MLS and, you know, stayed at Houston, but I wanted to challenge myself in a way where woulda, coulda, shoulda. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to have that regret of saying, you know, if I had an opportunity to go to Europe, was I good enough to go there? Or, do I just stay here? And I said, you know what, if I go over there, I challenge myself and I don't succeed. Okay. Then I know I wasn't good enough and I'm okay with that. But when I went over there and I was playing and I was like consistently weekend and week out and playing as some of the best players in the world, you're like, I'm here. I belong here. I made the mm-hmm. right decision. And that's kind of like, you see that around here with young kids. I'm like, no, you keep dreaming. Everybody tells you no, no, use it. And it's hard because it's that mentality that we have. You're energetic, you have that passion and you're like, you're a go-getter and not everybody's like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like those moments where you're like, you see so much potential, but their mindset might not be there. And you're like, come on. If you just have this little bit focus, just tell the naysayers or just have that focus to keep driving, keep driving. and. Dude, I applaud you, man. That mentality is really, really hard to come through, and uh, um, and that uh, transition.
2: Yeah. What I'll say very, very quickly, and and again, with the hindsight of of living the life that we led and and uh, looking back, I didn't have traditional talent. It took me a while to get there. Uh, I wasn't the fastest. I, I you know, relatively tall, six two, but but not the tallest but, and not the strongest, you know, I remember I'd be lining up next to a Gucci on We going, God, that would be really nice to look like a Roman God, you know, like this guy over here. Uh, but I realized my talent was commitment. That was my talent. I, I, I commit, I have good habits. I have good discipline. And, and I think, and I learned that I'll eventually wear you down. You might be better than me one day, but I'm going to catch up to you. And then when I catch up to you, how are you going to react Uh, and, and that's what really fueled my fire. And it's interesting that you brought up your teachers. I had plenty of coaches and teachers say that I, I'd say teachers per se, um, but, but coaches who just didn't think I would be good enough to be a pro, but they, they underestimated my drive and, and my commitment. And so that was pretty rewarding to your point. They also like I never said any of those things. <laughs> they always yeah. and not only they did they, they deny that they said anything negative about you. They now claim you as somebody that they helped develop. Yeah, you know? And you're like, what oh, the yeah, fuck he was in my like, like, on, <laughs> in your kid, You're like, oh, really, ah, dude? Yeah. yeah, that's the stuff we're holding on to. We know exactly what was yeah. said and how and how it was said. So, so uh, no, and I also uh, applaud you for getting out of your comfort zone and, and taking that that chance to get over to the Premier League and and um. My question for you and i think this is a fun one to discuss especially with guys that have played for a long time do you think it's harder to become a pro now given that there's so much more opportunity to be seen or was it harder back where we were playing early on where you had to make the 18 man roster and there was like 10 teams in the league it's it's because because i'll i'll use this as an example when i think about the old dc united teams they Every single starter on those D.C. United teams that had success were, were national team players. So they were starting 11 national team players. You go to any team in MLS now, you might have, what, three or four guys that start regularly for their national team? Maybe because yeah. of the, the dilution of talent. Now, I do think the level of play is getting better, right, across the board. But um, I, I wonder because because I never want to dash anybody's hopes about becoming a pro either. And I obviously no, I, going, yes, but but I wonder. Is it harder now or harder back then? What do you think?
1: Honestly, I that's it's a fantastic question because <laughs> it, it's it's I think it's more opportunity now because you have more USL teams, you have more MLS teams, they have academy systems. I mean shit. I had to have a really good college career essentially, and then hopefully be like, I don't know, drafted and then or go to the MLS combine, and then mm-hmm, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you see All right, I get lucky enough to get picked up. And then you go from there, you don't have a guaranteed contract. You got to go in there, you got to earn, and you might have only a week. You might have three weeks. They might, you might go all preseason and be like, hey, you know what? You're not good enough.
2: And by the way, it's a $12,000 a year contract if you're, yeah, yeah.
1: you get (laughs) developmental, senior developmental, or senior roster. (laughs) And it's like, okay, but now you have these kids that are in this system. And I think more of like, we're a little bit harsher and harder. Like we have a thicker skin because it was harder back then. I essentially, and not saying it's hard now, but you have more of like a, a pathway mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. ours really wasn't a pathway. It was like, okay, here's a tryout. If you're lucky or someone has some relationship and they can go in for preseason. Now you're in an Academy system and you, you're kind of being groomed to the first team, but then You're also like more options available. If if Kansas city doesn't want you, guess what? Then maybe Atlanta wants you or new England or Charlotte or whatever. You have way more options, but you think it's
2: more, more competitive because there's more kids in the system. Not to say that but probably the same amount of kids when we were coming through, but but the, the, the visibility pipeline was a little less, right? It really just the college system, not a lot of academies, um, so I and wonder, probably, I don't know, man. It's more it's players
1: falling through the cracks. So yes, very true. <clears throat> more of like they have great ability club. Doesn't really know what to do. Maybe they're just off just a little bit. And all of a sudden, boom, they're released. And now it's they're treading water and they don't know where to go. They don't know right. what to do. Right. So I think that we, we probably have more players like that that are probably gems essentially, or, the Jimmy Conrads the Jeff Camerons that are just kind of floating out there that just need a little bit of guidance or needs an opportunity to say here let's take him put him our they have that passion that desire right. and now they we just want uh we want results right away this player has to be great but i'd rather take ten yeah. Jimmy Conrads with those work ethics and that mentality sure. and you can you can groom that player because when you have a really talented player that doesn't have the the mentality they'll be in the professional game for what one or two years and then they'll be out true and that's a big thing
2: yeah it's interesting i wonder if there's room for for late bloomers i mean i didn't get my first cap at the national team until i was 28 and now it seems like if you don't get that by 21 or 22 you're going to be too old right they're going to move past you and look for the next younger option and i i I hope that's not the case. I hope there's always a little bit of room for that late bloomer that might come out of nowhere and surprise you. I guess we're still seeing it in some ways. So uh, with DeWan Jones, you know, starting to get call-ins at 25, yeah. 26. So, so I'm hopeful that there's still room for, for those kind of guys too. But yeah, it's an interesting topic. And, and I had the chance to speak to some MLS heads. I was in New York a couple of weeks ago, the EAFC launch party. And um, were you there? Jeffrey yeah, there. I was there. Where were you? Yeah. Were you there? Yeah, I was there for well, I wasn't there for very long. If I didn't see you, but I didn't end up going to the back room and playing at all. I was just kind
1: of mingling out front. Yeah, across. I was. I was in the front, but I showed up. Well, you must have been then early and dipped out. Yeah, it's kind of my style.
0: Yeah, like, hey, yeah. Up, you're guys? so fast.
1: Hey. You're <laughs> so
2: fast that you just booked it out of there. I got in and got out. Show my face, kiss some babies, shake some hands. You know how it goes. <laughs> but uh, I, I was talking to some MLS people, and they they. And this isn't new news, but they're essentially, we have more than enough kids that want to play. Now we got to get our coaching better and and we got to get our scouting better and we got to get our refereeing better, right? Because what's interesting about referees, and I know there's a shortage around the country, is that they control the rhythm and flow of a game. And I don't think that's as appreciated as it should be. So the more that we can help support and prop that up, obviously it's important. But but all you know, rising tide lifts all boats. Cause if our refereeing kind of sucks. You no know,
1: Jimmy Conrad's yelling at the referee. <laughs> no you know
2: that's what? I, I would only do that if I thought I it was warranted. Uh, oh, okay. So like yeah. every
1: call that would go against you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's probably true. Uh, because I was the the nicest and in the uh, cleanest defender of all time. That's yeah. actually that's probably actually saved for Michael Parkers, who I think got like two yellow cards in his whole career, but um <laughs> Jimmy, uh, I have a yeah, question shoot. for you. Yeah, shoot. So you you just brought up refs and and
0: arguing with the refs. I'm a I'm a casual soccer fan getting more and more into the sport. Would love to see the MLS continue to grow because I live in Chicago, can go to fire games. You know, mm-hmm. Mike McGee, Chicago Fire legend. Yeah, but yeah. how does it work with refs when they speak a different language than the players? How do you guys – Explain mm. your frustration. What do you tell kids when it's like, hey, you're going to be in these environments where the refs aren't going to understand what you're
2: saying? Listen, the beautiful well, game is the universal language. Like, you don't need yeah. to speak the same verbal language to kind of know what's happening. Plus, body language does a lot, too. <laughs> but, he,
1: but he can't tell the young kids what to say because the stuff that he would say would would be illegal. So <laughs>
2: Yeah, I think uh, my only really big issue with with refereeing is the lack of consistency. If they're going to call a game a certain way, if they're going to call it tight and and they let kind of everybody know within the first, you know, in the first five or 10 minutes, you know that the game is going to be called tight based on the calls they make. And then all of a sudden, 15 minutes later, they let something go that they would have called 10 minutes ago. That's where you start to get a little frustrated. Like, dude, just call the game exactly the same way. Don't all of a sudden first half call it super tight. And then the second half, you're going to let some crazy ass two foot tackles happen. And there's just that, that lack of like in-game management, in-game consistency is where I get a little frustrated, but, um, but but I don't have any problem. If they're going to call a game loose, they're going to call it tight. No problem. Jeff I don't have any problem with that. Just be consistent throughout the game. That's all. But the best referees
1: are the ones that can have a conversation. with you. I agree with that too. And like, if they're, if you know they hold everything right yellow card red card they have the power right to control the match and it's like you do one thing and they kind of look at you and they're like yeah you're gonna get this yellow or or whatever and it's like they don't really need to say that or they don't to really do that where it's just like hey jeff like take it easy and they know your names they know like everything they know how many yellow cards you've had before the match they do their research per player like oh this guy dives all the time they know that going into a match. So, but it's like just having the conversation with the player. Yeah. Jeff, hey, just take it easy. It's five minutes into the game. Like, you don't really need to do that. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Instead of just going, boom, here's a yellow card, have a conversa- yeah, conversation conversation yeah. a little bit. Then the like the players will respect the referee a little bit more. I agree. Where sometimes the referees will just go, oh boom, here's a yellow card or here's a red card or or whatever. And it's like you can't talk to them because like they're above you, right? And it's like kind of like really like let's let's just hash it out. But then you have some refs will say f you. <laughs> yeah, it, I've had that too. Back to them, it's a <laughs> yellow card. They're like, you can't talk to me like that. Well, like, how about we have respect for each other? Yeah, you know? like yeah, yeah. Some of those guys are just. It's really hard. Yeah, what was your I... best? Who's your best referee that you thought like or that you experienced? Oh wow, you got to think of some names here. Um, Hard Web Cluttenberg. Those two uh, are my my favorite. They, they Yeah, what, what did they do good. that
2: that uh
1: what did they do that made them So like I, I remember there was a there was a tackle that I had um and it was clean and he just Howard just said, Hey, watch your trailing foot. Just said it mm-hmm. like nonchalantly as I'm running the the play continuing. and I said, like, just watch your trailing foot. All right, sweet. Then there was a play where I got tackled, the guy left one on me, and I was like you see that he kind of threw his elbow out or whatever mm-hmm. and he's like didn't see it but I'll keep an eye out for it and right. he was engaged like he'd have the conversation and then 10 made 10 minutes later all of a sudden guess what the guy did the same thing to another player and he's like I got you I remember and he kept an eye on it, and you're like mm-hmm. see that's a good ref he's have a conversation but he'll tell you to fuck off if you know, <laughs> if you're being an asshole. If you're being yeah. an asshole, <laughs> and that's and that's like the the beauty of it, essentially. Right, right.
2: Yeah, in in game management, not only important for players but also for for referees. I I, I respect that a lot. There there, uh, there's really no name I guess that stands out for me. Um, it's been a while though, so in fairness. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: well, we got to get some TST rush. Like, well, yeah, we
2: we should property. we 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 should probably tie TST back into this. I think. Yeah that we need to have one referee on each half of the fields in TST moving forward. We're making adjustments. We're making adjustments
0: to some rules, some ref stuff. You know, we're definitely taking players influence into account, but it brings up a good point. What, what parts of TST you know, obviously seven on seven. So it's a little different. What parts of TST do you think could be implemented in other areas of soccer? And if not implemented, like what were some of your favorite parts of TST of the style of the game?
2: Well, I thought what was interesting was the target score time at the end, right? You needed to end the game on a winning goal and that elevated the experience. Like every every game felt like a buzzer beater to give yeah. a, an example somewhere else. And, and I thought that that, brought our team closer together. Even when we lost in the group stages to hashtag United, when they scored that goal to seal it for them and, and uh fair play to them, they, they put a nice whooping on us, it forced us to reflect as a group, like, okay, how do we solve this problem moving forward? If we actually want to make a run at the million dollars. And so that was important, all that type of element of it. And then, you know, you talk to AJ de la Garza afterwards and his team didn't even try the first half because they like, what well, doesn't matter. We're just going to wait till TST and then wear them down and be super fresh for when it matters. We can score it. They were down three zero in two knockout round games going into TST and then won both of them four to three. So adding that type of element to it and knowing that you don't have to necessarily start your best players right from the get go and, and that you can kind of slow play when you when, how to save and conserve your energy, I thought was really interesting. So I'm curious to see how everybody takes the learnings from year one and applies it to year two. But in terms of, like, the the minutiae, I would say having an extra referee, I think that the referees that were there did the best that they possibly could. They're obviously entering into a new competition as well. The rules are different. There's there's different I have flows and rhythms to the game that are going to be separate than a normal traditional game. So So there's nobody. I'm not pointing fingers there. I just think they probably would have been helped had they had a, you know, if they could just manage one half of the field as opposed to trying to cover the whole thing. Because – there was a penalty or two that were called against us that uh were shady AF. So <laughs>
1: hey, I had I had two called against me. And I was like I barely touched the guy. Yeah.
2: So Fine. so just I having another set time of time eyes, time, you know? Yeah, I mean so Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if there's enough referees available given when the tournament is and all the other competitions that are going on in this country,
1: but I think it... going back to the referee side, it was like the inconsistency where we got a red card because the subbing what the first game uh, yeah. like it was like you know you have to be on the sideline and then all of a sudden like our second game uh, one of the guys walked off like and the person ran on and boom red card and we're like was our leading striker right now like <laughs> and we're playing against like the world cup champions for 77 <laughs> like it's a football like yeah literally. yeah so yeah they're just rotating subs every two minutes and like that's what we have to work on but the consistency of that and knowing, okay, like, are you really going to give a red card for like making a substitution a little bit quicker or the person goes on the field a little bit? Yeah. Um, So I would say those things for sure. But also at the same time, could we implement, like, I guess you could say the target time, right. Where if you're up to nothing, like into a game and like, there's, a minute left in the match, there should be like a ceiling where if it's actually like three goals, you shouldn't have to go into target time. Uh, Interesting. So it's like a spank rule, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, you shouldn't be allowed. You
0: lose those Zala moments. That was like the most electric part.
1: Yeah. But it was that crazy comeback. But if you're like at fought Europe five, nothing or five, one, five, two, like you still have to get three goals in a target time. And then it would eliminate what Jimmy just said, like saving the players for, yeah. you know, the rest and the rotation. It actually makes everybody have to play every single match, right? Like, yeah. so it's like, yeah. oh, we'll just have to rotate. That's that maybe that was just me thinking it off the, off the cuff there. You know? No,
2: I, I, I think there's something there to it so that it would force teams to play their best players right from the get-go. I, I, I don't know. It's it's yeah. If you're beating Dortmund 11-0, Dortmund got squashed. I'm curious to see if they're going to come back or not. <laughs> uh, they shouldn't they shouldn't bring social media influencers. That's a lesson, I think. Uh, but they yeah, if you're up I, maybe maybe three zero having a three goal cushion, I think because proved, as Andrew said, a couple times yep. over that they could do it. Maybe five goals. Yeah. Like, then you're like, it's done. You know, if you're yeah. going to suck for that much and I feel like you should be rewarded if you're squashing a team.
1: I I, I don't that mind it that. gives more teams like, hey, we got to we got to put five in yeah, on this right. team early, and like second half we're gonna come out and we're gonna smash these guys. Like, hey, yeah. now we have an opportunity to game's gonna be done. One yeah,
0: one I, of my favorite one of my favorite singular plays from TST was. When Jimmy Conrad was on one end of the field, three seconds later, he's on the other end of the field. It felt like a uh, WWE match. Like, <laughs> oh my God, is that Jimmy Conrad? Where did he come from?
2: You open up your legs, man. I, you know, I, I still work out from time to time. And you know, what's interesting. I didn't expect to play that much. Me and me and DeMarcus Beasley, who, who shared the team with me, I knew that bees wasn't going to play. We tried to get him to play as much as we could. And almost by game four or five, he was starting to like ah maybe i'll lace him up so i'm a little sad we didn't go a little bit farther. what was his reasoning i think he just didn't want to get hurt just yeah. didn't want to put himself in as you know jeff right like you get into the like if you played for a long time and then all of a sudden you get out there you start to click into this other competitive gear and then everybody you know especially if you go play pickup and locally everybody kind of knows that you used to play and then they want to show you up they're going to try to make you um, and you're like dude listen or they try to tackle you or going hard and I, I, know how to tackle. I, 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 I can play like this if you want, but I'd prefer just to like one or two touch play. Yeah, move, yeah, you know, yeah. Just to move around and have a good time. And so, so I think bees was a little bit worried of kind of clicking into that and potentially getting hurt, yeah. you know, cause then you just, we're so ultra competitive, but yeah, 100%. I loved it. I, 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 what I, what I learned from the TSC experience is that how much I missed being a part of a team and how yep. much I missed the banter, the banter, all the off the field stuff was great, yep. but, but even on the field, I clicked into a competitive gear that I hadn't in a long time. Like, Hey, people are watching on TV. I don't want to look like an asshole. Right. So Fair. I, I had to step up and like be a little bit sharper and a little bit more locked in than you I had to, had to be your Jim, you had to be Jimmy. Yeah, I had to be me again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was fun to kind of tap back into that. I was dead tired by the end. Uh, and, and the play that you're referencing was game one, by the way. So I'd still had plenty of energy a- a- at that point. Um, my my one other thing too, and I'm Jeff. You might have already talked about this at some point along the way on the show, but there just wasn't a lot of rest between games. And I know that they're looking to con- to expand the tournament and or extend it by a couple of days, which I think would be helpful. But our guys were we were so run down by the quarterfinals, we would have limped out for the semi had we got past that that round. So having a little bit more time to rest, especially for guys that are a little <clears throat> older like me, uh, would have been helpful. <laughs> year two, year two,
0: there will definitely be some some improvements. Maybe we'll get a better, you know, recovery sponsor, some more recovery (laughs) sponsors get, get the old guys in some, in some recovery ice tanks after the games. But you mentioned, you mentioned missing being around a team and really getting to capture that. I'm sure there were some moments with, with the national team when you were like, wow, this, this truly feels, you know, like a brotherhood, like we're all playing for the U S you know, maybe it was a moment when you and Jeff were together, but Jimmy, is there anything that sticks out to you from your time with the national team where you were like, this is some of the most incredible soccer experiences I've ever had.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the world cup stands out, you know, anytime you get named to a world cup roster, you know, at that point you're in. And, and for a long time, because I got my first cap so late, I never necessarily felt comfortable. I was never one of the core guys, but when you get named to that roster, you now feel like you have been accepted into the brotherhood in some ways that you are now not say everybody's equal because they're, you know, Clint Dempsey and, and Landon and Brian McBride and, and, uh, pre Claudio acting, crazy Claudio Reyna. (laughs) Um, uh, you know, all these guys were legends and Casey Keller and, and Eddie Pope, who I, who I adored and looked up to. I, um, I always kind of felt like a little bit of an outsider, but when I made the world cup roster, you feel accepted. And so that was really important to me uh, to, to have gotten that obviously, but, but also to feel that uh
1: I, I wasn't like a charity case, you know? And uh no, it's funny. You said that, like feeling, yeah. that was kind of like my first January camp. Um, I, I think you, I was probably been.
2: there. When was that? Yeah. Oh, 2000
1: what 2008 or nine
2: seven eight maybe yeah, yeah um did you go to was, wait did you go to copa
1: america with us or gold cup did you do 2007 no so i so here's a i never did a gold cup because when obviously when i became more of a regular with the national team and then i moved to europe uh-huh. i was never allowed to do a gold cup so like i feel like i would have like 70 or 100 caps because like <laughs> Yeah, like I, I missed out like essentially like seven years of Gold Cup that I could have played <laughs> yeah. in, uh, yeah. which is a lot of games. But more of just it was my experience of going into that January camp and being a rookie. Then it was like a lot of the guys knew each other; they grew up playing on the national team, youth national team. Some of them would transition right. to the full men's national team, and it was like a different environment. And you're like this new guy that's mm-hmm. trying to figure it out uh and you're comparing yourself to everybody and then you're like sometimes you don't vibe with those guys and like there's Mm -hmm. these clicks and you're just trying to like hover around Mm -hmm. and like waiting to be accepted essentially and it's like it didn't really feel like that for me essentially like the first two times and then i got injured after my second call up and i was like well this sucks right and then it was like boom jürgen came in and he was like straight in boom I was kind of, like, under Carlos Bocanegra's wing, essentially, and, like, Mm -hmm. partnered with him. And it was, like, great because I was accepted and I was becoming a part of the team. And I was Mm -hmm. able to grow with that beginning of Jurgen's kind of era, essentially. And it was, like, I was becoming a part of that. Yeah, which is cool. Um, Which is, which is, is cool, but it made me, like, enjoy going to the national team where the first couple times it was, like, these groups and you know, like the clicks and that they have, it's like Mm -hmm. everybody's friends with each other or whatever. And then you talk to like, I talked to Breck and we're like, do you remember going to the first January camp or going to the camp? And you're like, yeah, like I didn't feel, I didn't enjoy it. It was harder because everybody else knew each other. And you were Mm -hmm. like this, this different guy, you Mm -hmm. know, that's Mm -hmm. coming into a a group that have known each other for a while.
2: Well, I'll jump in and say on that, when I got my first, call in for the January camp the only reason I did was because Danny Califf who was a center back for us for a long time he went over to Europe during the January window to try to go lock in with a team that's the only reason I got called in and and I was aware of it so I knew that my opportunity to make a a mark was was then and I mean I was 27 for my first January camp and and that was it I had three weeks to try to win over the coaches and all I tried to do was get them to like me enough to think I was good enough to get into the, just, just the next camp. I wasn't thinking yep. gold cup. I wasn't thinking world cup. I wasn't thinking any of those things. Just like, just be good enough to be called into the next camp. Yep. And I remember my first, like I got, we flew in. It was the Manhattan beach Marriott. And uh, yes. we're all, we're all in there to go get our first meal. Everybody's getting in from the airport whatever. And I was so nervous. And these are all guys that I know, like yeah. Nick Raimondo, Uh I remember him sitting right next to me and, and we went to UCLA together and, And all these guys I know, but it just felt different because it's the national team. And and to your point, they all felt comfortable. They're laughing, telling jokes, and everybody's excited. And I was, I remember this. I was so nervous. My hand was shaking when I was eating my food because I just I was so excited to be there, but I didn't want to show that I was excited to be there. You know that whole thing, you know, kind of like in high school again, you know. So so so, you know, and then I just was there to prove myself. And so I I was some of my focus was probably a little more serious and intense than it had been for some of those other
1: guys. But it's a different but, mindset yeah. from your mindset's different from everyone else there essentially because they're like, oh, you know, this is uh, this is where I'm supposed to I'm, be. I'm <laughs> yeah. <is> where, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you're just kind of like the quiet one just eating like um okay, yep.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep.
1: And it's it's it, and it's, it's a weird it is yeah, a really weird. weird feeling. It's a it's a feeling and then you eventually get over it. The second, third, fourth time you're called in, and you're part of the group, and you're like, "Oh, okay, he's here." Right, exactly. You know. Exactly. What was your song that you sang?
2: Uh, we didn't do that. There what? was no, yeah, no singing of songs. I, I, when I joined and I got called into the next camp afterwards, it was a, it was for a World Cup qualifier against Trinidad, and I went down there and I didn't. It, oh, that's funny. Bruce Arena took twenty-three guys. I was Trinidad. rooming with. K- Casey Keller, and I was like, okay, because Casey's super serious. And uh, and so, you know, I didn't get named into the 18, so I just sat in the stands. But it was a good experience for me to kind of see what it looks like to prepare for a World Cup qualifier, what it looks like to to hear from Bruce, to, uh, to see how the guy's prepared and and yeah. how they work through their own pressure and adversity uh, it was really important for me. So I'm glad I didn't maybe make the 18 in that one and got to just kind of watch and observe. But, no, there was no – maybe because we were in the middle of qualifying, it just – Guys didn't really have a lot of time <laughs> to What are you talking about? What, what song?
1: What does that mean? So, so usually when if you get called into a national team or like pretty much if you go to a new team, right, there's like the initiation phase where it's like, all right, um, you gotta sing a song. Uh I mean you always see it on like Instagram, yeah, right, right. And whatever, and they have to get up and you choose a song. Stand and and on a chair and sing, of, yeah. Um, the lads and you know when I went to England, I had to do Delilah, uh, obviously a Stokes song and I had to learn that really quick. And then I did Sweet Caroline and oh, nice. obviously sweet Caroline. is just, it's a good one. Cause then you can get the lads in it and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you're actually not even singing it. You're like, yeah, sweet Caroline. And then you go with the mic and then they get it. So it's like no, so no, much no, easier. No, no. Um,
2: yeah.
1: Um, takes the pressure off of you, but then sing it, oh, for, sing it, sing it. We'll join action, in. Like,
2: no. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You well, need a beer. Out. You need a beer or two, Andrew. Before, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> um, Got to ease into uh, that. It's pretty early right now. A couple shots, actually. <laughs> um, but it, it's the, then it's the afterwards, like you have the the captain or you have the senior players asking you questions like, all right, um, Jimmy, what? Wo- what position or whose position are you going to take from this team? (laughs) Like, are you better than X, Y, Z? Like, and those are the questions that you ask and some of that you're just like, Oh shit. Like, what do I say? (laughs) You have to be like, you know, smart about it. Right. Um, So yeah, it it was fun, you know, going through that, but also like being like, you know, being the captain for QPR and the guys are like, no, I want you to ask this, ask, ask this. And I'm like, No, I've been in that position before. You guys can ask it. (laughs) I
0: don't want to be the dickhead,
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it's good though. It just brings the guys together. And if the, if the young kid or that person, they, they answer in the right way, you you know, they got, they got some good uh, head on their shoulder, you know? Right. Yeah. No, no, we didn't have to do
2: any of that. There was no initiation. Maybe, maybe it was because I was so, I was just so much older. (laughs) They're (laughs) like, they're like, Ah, eh, Jimmy doesn't need any of this, you know, pl- you know, any <laughs> of that pageantry.
1: Stuff. I've sang enough of my life. Uh, yeah, right. exactly right. Did yeah. you have to, did you, did you sing at all in your career? You did No, nothing? no. Wow.
2: We So what we would do in MLS uh, when I was captain of teams, we would make the young guys do skits. And okay. to your yeah. point, what was interesting is the players that committed to it, and they were they were open to make fun of anybody they wanted to on the team you know and you would yeah. always get some good ones about the coach and because you're like two weeks into preseason so you give them some time to kind of get to know everybody before they do their skits and they have time to plan and everything but the ones in the and the, the guys that are committed to it and tried to make something funny yeah are are successful people now in their lives like like uh i'll, I'll use taylor graham he he went to stanford we drafted him at kansas city and now he's president of Seattle Sounders and killing it, right? I mean, he's a guy that, okay, it didn't end up working out for him on the field, but but his commitment is why we knew he would be successful at whatever he ended up choosing to do, whatever started to work out for him in that way. And then we had other players, I'm going to leave them nameless, and, and one time the skits were so bad by our rookies that we made them do it again because it was embarrassingly bad because they didn't they didn't commit, they didn't try. Right. Yeah. And none of those kids made the team none of those kids i don't even know what they're doing and i and it's funny that you can look at these little moments in their life and not to say you should judge them all on just like a skit but you can see elements of whether they where what they need to work on if they want to be successful at anything because there are certain things it doesn't matter soccer's the backdrop right it's it's how yeah. you approach the sport and how you approach what's being thrown at you and how you react to certain things that are really going to determine what you're good at and what you're not
1: Dude, I did the bye-bye bye, man. That was like, I was like i don't want to, I don't want to do it by myself. Like for national team yeah. I was like, I don't want to do it by myself. Like, we got to do it together as a as a group. So like the best thing was like bye-bye bye. And we're like, okay, sweet. Good. Got yeah, that. Out. That's great. And that I, was the best way because it was like you weren't all eyes on just me. It was on mm-hmm. a group of us. It was like, sweet, no problem. We're good. I love that. Is
2: there a video of that? Can we can we can we joke uh, that I don't, it? Think don't think we it had it cell phones back then, bro. <laughs> That's true. They're all flip
0: phones. No, but no yeah, cameras. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, this has been this has been great. Uh, before we get you out of here, I want to give you a chance to tell everyone what you're doing. But real quick, you guys talked about it earlier. People doubting you. I had a journalism teacher tell me once, "Hey." Maybe you should consider a different major. And now I'm interviewing <laughs> Jimmy Fucking Conrad, so I, I know how oh, you guys feel. Yeah, Jimmy, where can we that. find you? go, yeah, tell the go, teacher to, that. go yeah. to that. Go to that. Go to that. Yeah, Jimmy, where of, where are you these days? Yeah, you I've can seen find targeted Instagram ads of you to buy shorts i mean i see you everywhere
2: yes so so i am currently an ambassador for Viori. if you guys uh, are into that clothing brand amazing clothes by the way um no no hashtag ad or branded on that it's just really nice nice clothes but um i do stuff with with target as well but just find me on social media at jimmy conrad on any platform instagram tiktok uh twitter youtube uh i'm not as maybe i'm not churning out the content like i once did I'm actually in the process of getting my A license uh, coaching stuff. So How's that going? it's tough. It's a lot harder than uh, it used to be back in the day when it only took one week to get your license. And now it takes a goddamn year, but that's uh, yeah. fine. You're going to weed out the people that don't know. And, and the people that don't know actually now going to have a chance to, to catch up and learn a little bit more. So I think it's, it's, it, this is how it should be. It should be hard. But uh, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, can it just be back to being a week? Cause that yeah. was a lot easier for my schedule, but no, I mean, I'm uh Trying to make myself as well-rounded as possible, I, I work yep. with CBS Sports and Paramount Plus, and all the coaching stuff helps me become a better analyst for them. And yeah, and and I work the Big Ten poll events for uh for Fox Sports. I host all their digital coverage for the last two World Cups, and uh, looking forward to doing it again this summer for the Euros and Copa America. So, yeah, You're I'm uh, it, bro. Thanks, I appreciate that. I don't know what I'm doing half the time, but I'm having a you know I'm having a lot of fun, and and uh, people want to pay me to talk about soccer. I'm happy to accept their money. So
0: give us the dream, Conrad Beasley recruit. Be, as a tease for this summer.
2: Well, if, if Jeff Cameron's not available, I don't know <laughs> what his team is doing. Um, yeah, that's that's a great question. I I know that Sneaky Foxes are doing sneaky things and already signing some players. So that is true. Very uh, sneaky. Yeah. So I guess in some ways, I'm trying to see who might be available from teams that might not be coming back. And and uh like Nick, I, I really love Nick Pereira, who who scored the goal against us to beat us in in the quarterfinals with Sneaky Fox. He plays on the U.S. Beach Soccer Team with uh, Ricardo Carvalho, who plays on our team. So to have those two combining up top would probably be Ooh. the ideal signing. But uh, he seems you're pretty really locked have
1: in. To a a a, hey, back trade. I don't like know. Like, tampering. Like,
2: yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I maybe we make a trade and I give up some, some gam and some tam. To to (laughs) the sneaky box to make it happen. I don't know. I don't know what kind of rules and and mechanisms are in place in TST to figure that out. You're grandfathered
1: in. (laughs) You're grandfathered in.
2: I I have Pereira's rights. I think that's how it works. I don't know how it goes. All right. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. Thanks,
1: man. It's great catching up with you, bro. Likewise.